Making movies is really tough To get it all done, you gotta know your stuff First you write a script, then you raise some cash Shoot the film, then you're done in a flash So here's some things that you need to know It's my first feature Hello and welcome to My First Feature. I'm your host, Ethan Cushing. I'm a director and producer working in Los Angeles, and this is the podcast where each week I interview a new filmmaker about the experience of directing their first feature film. With me today is writer-director... You know, I'm sorry, I got in contact with you through your publicist, and so I'm blanking on your name. I apologize. Wow, great, man. Awesome, awesome introduction. I love being here. Uh, Okay, sorry. Oh, sorry. What's your name? Oh, yes. My name is Splen Gronst. Splen Gronst. Splend. With a D, Splend oh, Gronst. Splend Gronst. Sorry. Uh, yes, sorry. With me today is writer-director Splend Gronst. Uh, and again, like I said, uh, your publicist reached out to me uh, and, and thought that you might be a good fit for the show. So uh, welcome, Splend. And um, could, so basically, f- to my knowledge, uh, you uh, started your film career in Europe, uh, came up, did your own films, very guerrilla, very uh, dogma kind of run and gun. And then you eventually um, found a little success with a short film that you made over there, which brought you to America. And then you have basically been uh, making movies, shorts and kind of like indie weird things, some experimental stuff, some art pieces um, until you decided to finally take the plunge uh, and make your first feature film which I am reading here. And the name of your first feature film is uh, it. Oh man, I'm sorry. The, the heart can't find heart what can't it wants find. to want. The heart can't find what it wants to want. Yeah. So, so in 2017, uh, you made your first feature film, the heart can't find what it wants to want. Um, and, and yeah, so, so that's all I know. So it, it, if you don't mind, um, could you give me a brief synopsis of the heart can't find what it wants to want just so this audience can know what we're talking about? Great. Sure. Yeah. First off, I would just want to say, Ethan, like great being here. I'm I'm so excited. I feel like this is a, uh, this is like my, I made it moment. Oh, that's so so nice of you. I've landed. (laughs) Thank you. Parachute deployed and uh, you land on the bullseye. You get there. You're like, okay, now where are the snacks? Like, right, that's sure. what I'm saying. And, and I do apologize. I don't have any. I don't have any food for you. But, but. It is like ironic that there are no snacks yeah, here. So, right. I feel a little bit. Uh, but you know, we go. We We're roll here. With yeah, it. yeah, sure, sure. Anyway, so yes, like um, just a brief sort of um, overall s- synopsis, as you say, of the, of the heart wants what it wants to want. The heart can't find what it wants to but, want. I don't mean to correct but, you. No, this is my first film that I made that was the prequel. I see. If you understand. Got it. Um, these are, these are a two-part series. Understood. So that film, I explored a lot of different themes. Now, as you say, you talk about uh, I was making guerrilla films, mm. um, dogma films, mm-hmm. Um, so yes, there were, I was making a lot of films about gorillas mm-hmm. and dogs right. and, and mothers sure. and things like that. Mm-hmm. And I found that there was this universal theme of the heart wanting something. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like always um, you you go into the store and you're hungry right. and the stomach wants what it wants mm, to want. Because it's hungry. Because it's hungry. Right. But... Just like in a store, the store of life, your heart gets hungry mm. and the heart wants what it wants mm-hmm. to want. Mm-hmm. And you can't tell the heart, no, 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 mm. no, you can't have that. Right. So I decided to start making films where, where we would go and I would find people on the street and say, 
what what do you, what does your heart hunger for? What mm. are you hungry for?" Mm. And they would say, "Well, you know, who are you?" Mm. Who? What are you Stop doing? Stop touching me! Why is right. why is your hand on my the small of my mm-hmm. back right. and things of that nature? And I realize most of the the time the heart wants to not be touched, bothered, right? And the heart wants to be left alone. And so I abandoned that and started to actually sort of um, explore my family, people that could not walk away from me, mm. friends, close right. ones. And I asked them, what is it that you want deep, deep in your heart? Mm-hmm. And invariably, the, the answer was companionship. Mm. And I said, I can relate to this. I need this myself. Sure. So to answer your question, these two films that I've made are about companionship wherever you can find them. Right. And so watching the trailer, it's, you know, it was interesting to see that you, in fact, were the main character of The Heart Can't Find What It Wants to Want. And like, I don't mean to tell you what your film is about, but it seemed like it was a thinly veiled uh, excuse to try to find a girlfriend. Is that overreaching? Uh, you know, you could reach, you could underreach, mm-hmm. you know, uh, give me the reach around. I don't hey, care. Oh, whatever. Right. We're here to talk shop and, yes. uh, Yes, this is true. I mean, the way I see it is a film is an opportunity to to not just make something for the audience to consume, Mm. but make something for the filmmaker to consume for Mm. himself. Otherwise, you know, it's just a one way thing. You know, audience gets everything. What do I get at the end of the day? So I said, I need to find um, love during this process. Mm. And. You know, you'd have to see the films to figure out what happens. Right, right. But uh, needless to say, um, you know, there are a lot of things that happen along the way. And I can't wait to hear all about them. So um, that said, I really appreciate the, the the context there. But but it would be helpful, I think, for our listeners to get a, just a brief elevator pitch of what the heart can't find what it wants to want is about, if you could. So, um, hello, I'm in an elevator. Um, <laughs> you hello. Know, yes. Yes. Uh, we uh, we go to great lengths. To I'm sorry. What what floor do you want to go to? Um, I'm going to penthouse. Great. Um, yes, of course. You know, Ding. Going up. I uh-huh. don't see it on the on the buttons. Is it that? Uh, oh, is it's a pH. Yes. Interesting. Yes. Yes. Uh, so, uh, how many more floors do we have left? Or, <laughs> or okay. that was that was a fun diversion. But yes. Okay. The, the, great. The, yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, living in a house by yourself. Mm. You have a big house. You start to feel lonely in the house. You want someone to come in the house. So you post an ad on Craigslist that says, someone come into my house Mm. and I will decide if you are the right person to live in this house. So Mm. it's like a trial period. And then it's all these people coming in and out and me deciding who is this right person? Mm. Who are you? Mm. Where are you going with your life? And what do I even, I deserve to live in this house. Mm. Am I, am, or do I give the house to the person who comes in? Mm. And so um, getting through that process and then um, discovering what it is to be myself and uh, realizing that uh, this house is not a home. Mm. Interesting. Uh, fascinating. Um, great. So, so that's a, a brief taste of what the, what the film is about um, with, with you as the main character. 
I also want to talk, I'm sure we'll get to it, but um, re- really fascinating from, from what I saw, like really hard to tell if, if this is scripted or unscripted or if this is kind of largely improvised or whether you are literally just putting cameras on you as a real person and you're calling yourself another name for the sake of the character. Um, the lines between, you know, you know, fiction and nonfiction here are really blurred and it's really, really fascinating. I, I encourage everybody to see this film. It's really, really interesting, but um, let's, let's take a step back. Uh, let's go back to how you got into the, the film industry. So um, again, I don't want to tell your story for you, but you were an orphan. You were living at an orphanage. The, the orphanage burned down uh, and you were then forced to kind of make your way uh, on the streets uh, from there. Could you kind of take the story from there and give us a little taste? Yeah, so sure. So just just to clarify, um, the the orphanage did burn down. That right. is true. That is a fact. And um, they did... Ultimately, they did find me responsible. For, oh, wow. Um, you know, it was one of those things where wrong place, wrong time. Okay. You know, you're in an orphanage and things get crazy. Sure. And, you know, you know how that is. I don't, right? but yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yes, I was um, from that moment on sort of um, left to my own devices. Uh, mm. I was um, on the streets. I was in Paris. And what year is this? Well, you know, it's it all kind of blurs for me, but um, this was the solid year of uh, 1979. Okay, got it. And, uh, and so, was, how old are you now, then? Well, it's that things are blurring as well. Okay, you so know? it's all so, still blurry. But um, yes, I'm. You know, let's say I'm in my mid to late 40s, 50s. Okay, okay? sure. Got it. Great. Um, so yes, I was uh, six years old. I was out on the streets. I was in Paris. I was. I was. Uh, scrounging around for food i was uh, meeting different characters mm. learning um learning about myself but more importantly learning about how the world can really um turn its back on you mm. and i became friends with a group of um scavenging animals mm. kind of um, like a lost boys situation yes but like lost animals oh, oh actual like animals literal little animals um, so there was um, there were uh, stray cats that would come in and out, and then a raccoon and a dog, and then some. You know the the, the typical character of rats. Mm. You know they're always there. Yep. You can't really escape anything right. of them. And so I said, okay, so like, what's what are we going to do about this? Mm. Uh, how we how are we going to forge forward? Mm. We have enough food for it to last us maybe five days, mm. but beyond that, like, we need to make a solid plan. Mm. This is me talking to the animals, right? So <laughs> I said, well, you know, we could pack up, we can move on, we can we can sort of stay here. I said, let's um, start a stage show, right? And you know, I. Everyone knows what happened after that. I don't right. have to tell you. Well, I'll just say it for you. That's when you found your first Super 8 camera in the slums of Paris. Um, and, and that's when you started to film these stage shows with these animals. Is that yes, correct? that's absolutely correct, Ethan. Thank you. Thank you. And so you can find these videos. If you go online, you type in Super 8 animals, you know, you mm. find weird things, but then eventually you come page four or five, you find my stuff. Mm-hmm. And what happened was for maybe three, three years, it was um, sort of slow going, mm. you know, um, not really anyone to watch. You didn't, there wasn't much traction at the, at the beginning. 
no, what is this traction? You didn't have a following. There wasn't views. You no. weren't going viral per se. No, no. And now this is in, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, this is in 1979 and you were posting videos online in 1979. No, at what's Super8animals.com. Is that what you no, said? No, this is something I've created later. Oh, I see. I think we all know there was no online in okay. 1979. Okay, I'm sorry. But I was posting them in my head. I see. But... So I felt like, okay, well, this is either um, going to happen or it won't. And it won't. It did not. And so that was sort of my first introduction into failure. Mm. Besides, you know, the, the failure of my time at the orphanage in mm -hmm. which, you know, we, we sort of, you know, ran a little bit rambunctious mm. there at the end and things got a little and bit And by that crazy. you mean you lit a fire that uh, burned the place down. Well, you know, you, a fire got lit, and uh, <laughs> okay. I don't know, but leave it there. Regardless, yeah. yes. So I said, okay, well, we, you know, w without these animals, what am I? You know, these these actors in my play of mm. life, and I couldn't figure it out. And you know, lots of them died, and many mm. of them were, you know, have rabies and things of that nature, and were cantankerous and, actors. And when you say died. Are dying at your hand uh, is my assumption there, or or um, is this your assumption? Uh, you know, you, you seem like a passionate guy, and and um, you know, in, in the course of making these these films, I imagine that maybe they're uh, the humane association is not uh, not overseeing this. I, well, apologies yes. if I'm overstepping here. No, I mean you're right, but I don't appreciate <laughs> well, the implication. I'm sorry. Yes, I mean I expect a lot out of my actors you know i always you know want the best for them but mostly for the project of course and you know what i found is that a lot of times you know animals are not necessarily always cooperative mm. especially when they have rabies mm -hmm. you know they start to think about other things right. that, you know whatever right. how do i get my next you know fix Right. You know, they're like And addicts. you were giving them drugs. You were giving them drugs to, to get the performance you needed. I needed to get what I needed to get right. from them and I got it eventually, right. you know, right. when they die. And I, and, I, and, and to anyone listening, I, I do recommend going to superanimals.com to see some of these films. It's it's really wild stuff, but, but you can really see the spark of creativity and ingenuity, I think, that then uh, kind of precipitated your career into human actors. Yes, yeah, so... So after, you know, my cast all dropped dead, you know, it was a kind of rough kind of reality check for yeah. me. It was like, okay, well, where, you know, where do I go from here? I, you know, I've sort of watched these animals die in my hands, mm. rough, but, um, so I said, okay, well, let me, uh, let me move around. Let me travel around Europe. If I can stop you for one second, I'm sorry to interrupt. Um, what was it about that ex about the experience that I mean? Is that where you caught the bug? I mean, despite the tragedy of the animals and and no one watching it and you posting these uh, online in your head, quote unquote, um, is this where you kind of caught realized your passion for filmmaking? Yes. So you know, yes, the bug that I caught, yes, it was rabies itself, and that was I see. Yes, that was sort of a thing that I said. Okay, well. This is um, something that is driving me now. Mm. You know, if you've ever had rabies, I'm I sure you have. I have not actually. Oh, okay. Well, you know, it's pretty common. Okay. You know, lots of it's people. It's not that common. 
I think most people here in your audience would agree okay. it's something that happened. Agree to disagree. But you, you know, um it gave you a fire. It gave you a passion. Yes, it gave you it gave you because you had it as well. Mm, I didn't. Oh, it's it gave me uh, intense real intense intense emotions all the time like mm. like always sort of uh how you say a fuck foaming at the mouth for you for you euphoria no i was oh, coming, sorry sorry it's it's you foaming well, okay, frothing, you were foaming frothing frothing at the mouth so you know you are you are hyper aggressive all the time you're mm. going up to people and you're screaming in your face mm. and you're saying well what you know is it me or is it you mm. you know mm. um you know but but it, the nice thing about filmmaking is that uh that kind of attitude isn't um you know i could see michael bay doing that same thing so, so despite the fact that you have rabies you're fitting right into to film culture and and directing on set i would imagine that is what I think is uh, what uh, uh, brought me acceptance was sort of relating to these other directors and filmmakers who I believe must also have rabies or some kind of um, mm. um, maybe uh, what is it, the disease where the tick gets into your blood. Lyme disease. And, yes, and you start to... Uh, start to yell and mm. you get angry i think most you know most directors you can you know take, type a comment here if you if you are the director with lyme disease right. or if or a frothing disease of some kind you mm. know that this is sort of what gets you the things you need on set right and so to make a long story short i uh began to take my skills on the road started traveling throughout europe mm. and started making films in every town that i would stop in mm. and you can you can find these films somewhere I, someone said find you find them on the dark the deep dark web ah, or yeah, of some right. kind i don't know where that is but mm -hmm. some place where you go where you watch films that are i guess too good right to something too good for for most people, I mm. guess. Mm. And so that was when you know I I uh, made maybe twelve or seventeen films, wow. and they were you know all about mostly about you know different um, forms of um, you know bringing sort of food to from one place to another, mm -hmm. sort of like the transport of food because mm -hmm. I found that to be very important. Mm -hmm. And I got a good response. You know, people people clued in on this. Sort right. of zeroed in on the food transportation thing. Right. And again, this is the early eighties. So so how are you how are you um screening these films and how are people seeing these? Right. So, you know, with, with a limited budget, you have to get creative. Mm -hmm. And so I uh, was able to happen to find a projector mm -hmm. and you know, you find a wall, right? You find a giant cement wall, and you say, oh, "Here we go. We're starting the screening now." Right, and then to, to from what I read on Wikipedia, to to get the audience to this location to see the films, you would write the uh, address and time on a piece of paper, wrap that with a piece of twine around a brick, and then basically throw bricks into people's windows all over Europe um, to to get them to come see your film. Right, and this was this had a a use usefulness uh twofold mm. one you know you get you get the attention of the, in, the inhabitants absolutely you they can't ignore a brick through their window 
they try and you know they say what is that i say right. you know there's a brick right so you one you have the attention two now you have access to the home you can oh, get I inside see. you know you buy you give yourself a sandwich you get i got it whatever you need and so that's what I'm talking about and that's food. what I love about you. I'm starting to interrupt. That's what I, I, I love that you will do anything and everything necessary to continue your craft and your art, whether it's vandalizing a home, whether it's breaking and entering, whether it's theft. Um, nothing is going to come between you and the craft of filmmaking. You know, I think uh, you've just sort of kind of uh, nailed it, as they mm. say. It's, it's what it's this is what if you are listening, you are just starting out. Oh, sure. Um, you know, and you, we usually do this later, but yeah, give, give, give us some tips. You haven't caught the bug yet. You know, you're still Rabies. healthy or you haven't, you know, nothing is coursing through your blood. You need some extra, uh, motivation. Start, you know, start getting into activities that, you know, be considered by the law to be not legal. Mm. Start to do these things because then when you when you are making your films, you know what it's like to push the push the envelope to the limit, yeah, all the way to the edge, and the people will be like, "Whoa, okay, this guy is serious. He's not messing around." Right. So that's what I would also like to do on set. Right. You know, jumping forward a little bit to you sure, know yeah. my first feature. <laughs> you know, this oh, that's the name of the podcast. I, yeah, that's what they tell me. So I would pull pranks. You know, on hmm. on the the cast, and sort of say, "Hey, you know, you would throw bricks at them." Well, you know, not at them, but you know, on them, near them. Well, in you know, in them, or you know, whatever they land, they sure. land there, and you say, "Okay, well, one time it's a brick, next time it's you know a foam brick." Hmm. So it's kind of like you you. You get them on edge, okay. and then you say, "Ah, it's just foam. Mm -hmm. What are you crazy? Mm -hmm. Just foam. What is right. this?" So you know, you get a lot of different responses. You get actors who are very, you know, into this. Mm. They say, "Oh, wow! Like you, you finally unlocked something inside. You mm. know, this is great for me." And you know, then you get other people who are like, kind of, then just kind of like medium, like, "Okay, like that's that's fine. Now right. what?" And then you have actors who say. Stop doing this. You're trying to assault me. I'm going to sue you. I'm not experienced this. Is that yet. right? Oh, okay. Um, well, so you've made these uh, short experimental films all over Europe, traveling the traveling the continent. Um, I'd like to fast forward a little bit to the, the late 80s where you kind of made your first real seminal mainstream short film uh, called Whisper Kids at Night. And that was the short film that got the attention of a little director uh, across the pond named Steven Spielberg. Yes, so you know most people know about Whisper Kids at Night. You know it was a great short film about kids who they can only whisper at mm. night, mm. right? And so they are confined to communication with just whispering. Now, if you have ever whispered for an extended period of time, you mm. know that it starts to make you go crazy. Mm -hmm. It, 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 and if you haven't seen this film, I mean, it is a, it is a psychological torment, the likes of which I've never seen. Um, it, it, it changed. I don't want to say it like changed my DNA to a degree, but it, it, it is deeply disturbing. Oh, you can say this if you, you know, that your DNA uh, has been changed. You know, mine mostly 
through the years from the rabies. And the rabies, yeah. But, um, you know, yes, it was meant to be sort of the most challenging, most aggressive, mm. unsettling, you know, spiteful, mm. vengeful, um, you know, a downright cruel film that right. one could make. And right. I think I was successful. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so upon Spielberg seeing this and, uh, sending you a handwritten letter inviting you to the uh, United States to kind of be his protege and mentee to a degree. You packed up uh, your, uh, I, I mean, I don't know if this is correct, but I imagine you having sort of like a stick in a bindle with just like a kind of like, uh, you know, like a little satchel on the end of a stick. Um, and then you, uh, I imagine, took some sort of steamer boat uh, across the Atlantic Ocean to America. I mean, is any of that right? Or am I just kind of, making um, that you know, I'd say, um, you are wrong on several key points. Oh, okay. Um, it was a metal rod ah. with a uh, trash bag accustomed to it. And then you have, uh, what is not, uh, what you say? A, uh, what a Cleveland steamer. Sure. He's not that it is a, uh, what they, uh, what they call a, um, a garbage truck. Oh, like a barge. A barge, mm -hmm. yes. You get on that and, you know, you hide in the garbage mm -hmm. and you wait until something happens. Like most times it is a uh, seagull coming, pecking through. Mm. Other times it is, you know, more, more garbage falling on top of you. Mm -hmm. But eventually, you know, you, you start to smell something different than mm. just the garbage. It's mm -hmm. actually, you know, New York, New York, right. New York. Right. And, you know, it's, uh, it's and what was that like? I mean, coming from, coming from Paris, coming, uh, being an orphan on the streets in, in Paris to the city that never sleeps, you know, America, land of opportunity, um, barring the, barring the amazing opportunity to work with Spielberg. What, what was it like just kind of coming to America? Um, everything you own on the end of a metal stick. Um, what was it like for you? So it was, um, Something that I'll never forget. It was um, something that, you know, you come off of the barge and you sort of have this twinkle in your eye, you know, you this foam coming out of your mouth. And, um, you know, it's, it's, um, it's, I think, you know, it's what they call the American dream. You know, you get, you know, the first thing that I knew where to go was Times Square. And, you know, I wanted to see what was what there and, you know, sort of see how many people, you know, were willing to give me what, you know, I needed at the time, which was, you know, food mm. and, and, you know, so, you know, you, you get out and you're walking around and people are giving you bad looks. And I think mm. this is something that um, never changes in New York. Well, it was probably a function of the fact that you had just been sitting amidst garbage for three to five days uh, on a boat. Have you been to New York? I have. Ethan, you know, you know that most people look this way anyway. You're probably right, but I'm sure that the stench didn't help. Um, let, let, let's fast forward a, a hair to the, you were on set. You're on uh, the set of Jaws uh, as Spielberg's mentee. Um, what was that? How, how did that experience shape you? And, and and what did it give you in terms of like your own arsenal and toolkit? I can't imagine, uh, you know, sitting at the feet of, of such a legend. Like, what did you take away from that experience that, that helped you inf inform your own filmmaking going forward? 
Right. So I just want to clarify, you know, it said maybe it says on your notes that I was his mentee. I, I was actually his manatee. Hmm. Um, there was um, a need for someone to to basically play the part of a manatee that was later written out of the script. I see. Okay. So I was sort of, yes, I was at his feet most times mm. and I was playing a part, you know, sort of, well, what is actually the point of this manatee? No one ever told me, but mm. I would catch, um, you know, Spielberg, you know, he's giving lots of different direction, you know, not many bricks being thrown, but still mm. some. Interesting. And, you know, lots of anger, you know, Jaws was... I don't know if you know this, but Jaws, the the shark, mm -hmm. was actually um, uh, supposed to be a metaphor for Spielberg's uh, ex-girlfriend who was very, very aggressive, mm. had very sharp teeth, mm. and would always be, you know, sort of coming at him in a very open mouth manner, always kind of, you know, showing as many teeth as possible, right. you right, know. Right, right. Yeah. So I picked up on these clues that you need to take things from your normal life and sort of, you know, take those things and connect them to film. Okay. Um, got it. Um, so after having that experience, um, you had a brief stint uh, actually teaching at AFI. We're, we're, we're in the mid nineties now. Um, you were a, a, a guest lecturer at AFI for a, a bit. Um, and your course was entitled how to get actors to do exactly what you want, no matter what with by any means necessary. Um, tell me a little bit about that, about that course and, and how you related to the students at AFI. Right, so this was um, sort of, you know, we're getting into this decade of the 90s where kind of, you know, we're sort of starting to learn that, you know, maybe the people, the powers that be are not, you know, fully to be trusted. Mm. You know, we are coming out of, you know, everyone being angry and sort of being caught up in this blender of the HIV and mm. drugs mm. and, you know, so I say, well, you know, okay, this is fine, you know, but let's channel that into how to sort of get what you, as you say, get what you want out of the actor. And mm -hmm. so what I would do in part of my course was, you know, we would say, let's draw up everything that is wrong in your life. Mm. You being the actor, let's mm -hmm. get it all out there. And then I will be there. I will shout at you all of these things that you are, you know, you have a failure to your parents. You know, mm. you you didn't feed your hamster and he died. And so you're now a irresponsible person. I would mm. yell at you and then you would say, okay, well... I'm okay with this. Now I feel like I can act. And so mm. I gave them, you know, the little spark that they needed to sort of get over whatever insecurities they mm. had mm. and, you know, just sort of be in the moment. Mm -hmm. And that's what it's all about. You know, for you know, if anyone is still taking notes or if you are, you know, 
if, if we are live twitching this, I don't know if you want to write someone write a comment on the right. wall. Right. This is the thing you get in the moment. Mm. You are stay present, fully in the moment. Stay present, and you will find what you need in that place. Got it. Um, wow, that's that's uh, great advice for any director. Uh, let's, yeah, yeah. Let's fast forward a bit to um, the inception of the heart can't find what it wants to want. Um, you were living in Los Angeles. You were uh, in Hollywood alone. Um, you. Um, I, I, I'm curious how the script as it were, or if there was a script came together or how did you stumble upon the story um, about ostensibly you trying to find a partner in life? Right. So yes, it uh, did sprout out very organically. You know, I'm living in my house. I am trying to come up with my next project and I'm realizing, Hey, you know, you are by yourself. Most times, you know, people need a partner to help them through. I said to myself, well, you know, if only I had a partner to help me through writing this script. Ironic. Oh, maybe that is the script. Mm. So the script is me ultimately trying to write a script about trying to find a partner. So he's a little bit, when you say, you know, the inception of this idea, it is the inception, and there's a lot of inception going on during this time. Got it. Were, were you influenced by uh, Christopher Nolan's film at all, or no? Who's this? Oh, the director of Inception? Uh, no, this is pre, you know, pre-inception. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. Uh, what is, I, you know... It's not important. Keep, keep going. So this is a uh, time where I say, okay, well, this film is going to be a... Uh, a, a film about a film, you know, and but also about, right. you know, also about me finding love and, you know, those things. Right. So, so it's a kind of a bow finger situation of you writing a script about you writing a script in which you are the main character finding uh, a partner in life and love. Right. Is that right? Okay. Yes. yes. Um, so you, how, how long did it take you to write this script? Is it, because again, watching the film, it does feel very organic. It feels very loose. Uh, I'm curious and we'll get there, but I mean, was it a true script? Was it an outline? Was it kind of a, a treatment? Uh, what was the finished written product? If the script was written in totality, 273 pages. It, yes. Um, line for line, when when I was writing it, I had very specific idea about where, what I wanted to do. And then when we started filming, I threw it all out. Oh, wow. Threw the whole script out so the you, window. 273 pages is out the window. Day one of filming, you're starting literally, from scratch. Literally thrown out the window. Got it. Which, given your history, is not uncommon. Of well, you throwing most things, things go in, in out of windows. Most things go in windows. Right. This was going out. Sure. Um, yes, I said, you know, these pages are, uh, do I curse here? Uh, you can, sure, yeah. Bullshit. Okay. They were bullshit. And I, I knew that as soon as the uh, as soon as we started mm -hmm. rolling, I said, no, this is not natural. Oh, so you did you did start filming the actual script that you wrote, and then immediately you realized like, that it within was- Within 10 seconds. Okay, wow. With, wow. Maybe even less. Man, that is, that is so <sighs> brave. I mean, the the-, the you're you're on there. You're day one. Your your entire cast and crew is there. You you start filming in ten seconds in. You realize 
this is not working. I mean, it feels like Zemeckis when he recast Eric Stoltz uh, as Marty McFly. I mean, just the audacity to go to the studio and say, you know, this isn't working. I have to, I have to go find my Marty. Uh, it feels very similar to what you're doing, which is, um, yeah, unbelievable. Um, so uh, you, you you finish writing this script before you start filming, and then I'm curious. Um, again, you filmed this in uh, 2017, I believe, and uh, so um, the the way you raise the money for this film is very interesting. I mean, it, it's you know, most people go through Kickstarter or find a financier. You did something that I can only describe as kind of like a Nigerian prince email scam. Can you talk a little bit about how you raised the money in that fashion? Yes. So, you know, I think um, everyone knows, you know, you get these emails and um, the deal, you know, is you need to send, you know, a a wire transfer because you need to release these funds Mm -hmm. that are stored in an overseas account. Right. And, you know, most people, you know, that I know do send this money and, you know, it works out fine. Everything is great. But, you know, I said, well, how do I uh, mold this to be something that can help me? You know, most right. most of these Nigerian princes are all the way over in Nigeria. Right. You know, they have these kingdoms. That right. And you, in fact, you you had been scammed by one of these emails and had lost almost all of your money. I would consider it to be an investment. You know, I'm still waiting. Okay, you I'm know, sorry. I don't know where sure. it... Uh, Someday. What, uh, what the status of this is, but I will check. I, I'm in regular communication. We're fine. Everything Good. is okay. going along. Uh, that's all to say that, that you had an experience with one of these princes and you thought, hey, oh, light bulb. Hey, wait, wait a minute. Uh, maybe I don't have to be Nigerian to request money. Uh, maybe I can do this on my own. Right. And so, you know, I still had, um, you know, Steven Spielberg, his sure. uh, email address. And, and what is that address? Just for well, our listeners in case they have any questions for him. He's uh, Steven does films at AOL.net. Got you it. Know, he was one of the first AOL.net. Got it. Most people know about that now. If you are still on this Twitch, you can write a comment what your email is. It mm. is dot, you know, dot com, dot mm-hmm. biz, whatever. Everyone put their email, click that. Got it. I want to go, what I want this to be is like a shared space where everyone can put in emails and everyone contact each other at the right. end of this. And we say, okay, well, we've been through this. Yeah. You're we'll- building a community of, of like-minded filmmakers, which is yes. really, 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 really cool. Um, so yeah, you, 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 um, presumably spammed and, and spent, sent thousands upon thousands of emails to unsuspecting elderly across the country, um, uh, ostensibly asking for money, uh, well, ostensibly saying that that they had um, they 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 could have money um, through an inheritance. Uh, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but but um, uh, how how did it go? I mean, I mean, how much money did you raise through this fashion? Well, you know, you'd probably if if I told you, you'd look at me different, Ethan. <laughs> you know, you'd probably say, okay, well, this guy is rich, and, right? You know. I don't know if I can talk to him the same way right. or what, but but how much did you raise? Well, you know, it was you know in the realm of you know sixty, you know, it's uh, what sixty well, million? No, it's less thousand. You know, we were talking about six sixty dollars. No, it's in the sixty hundred dollars. Which so is six thousand. Okay, got it. Six thousand dollars, 
Wow. That's that that is that is wild. So six thousand dollars was your production budget. Which and again, I thank you for saying that. I mean, some people are a little cagey about talking about the budget on this, but um yeah, so so oh, wow. Okay, so you were working with six thousand dollars as your production budget. Uh you raised the money, you had it in the bank. Um and um w- w- when did you know that you were ready to begin production? I mean, when 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 did you know that all right, I'm I have the money, the script is in a good place, although we obviously come to realize that that's not the case, but um, when did you know that you were ready to film the film? Right. So I woke up one day, you know, I'm lying in bed and I say, you know, you know, when you wake up some mornings and you're just like, that's it, mm. you know, you, and so I yell out action. Wow. To no one. Well, you know, there are people there, you know, is, uh, you know, waiting for me to yell action sort of. Okay. So, you know, I had my friend, Mark, he was mm. there, he was waiting, you know, which morning is it going to be? Are you going to yell action? And is that, uh, uh, this is just a bit of a, a fanboy moment for me, but is that, is that Mark Harmon? Yes. You know, Mark. Mark Harmon. 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 Harmon, 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 meets. Harmon meets. Yes. Yes. He was uh, one of my biggest supporters, Got biggest, uh, not to be confused with the actor Mark Harmon, right, right. who's never taking my calls. Mark, if you hear this, please call me back. Mm. I have a lot of things to get off my chest with you. I'm very angry with you. We are, we know, we are at odds, but I need to hear your voice. Anyways, so yes, you, you woke up, you shouted yes. action, and you knew that, that that you were ready to make your film. I say, I call him the harmonizer. I mm. said, the harmonizer. We are ready now. Let's okay. go. Got Let's it. action. Sound, speeding, cut. You yeah. know, unfortunately I cut and then it was, you know, the first scene was cut too quickly, but mm. that's so he put the calls out, you know, we started spending the money, you know. And, and and Mark, your friend, he kind of became the de facto producer for the film, from what I understand. Um how did what what was the what was the casting process like? It, it seems again. I mean, you, you're not falling in any kind of pre 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 prescribed boxes here. Um, rather than go through a normal casting agent, you did things a little differently. Right. So this is where you know the site Craigslist starts to become very mm-hmm. important to the film. Mm-hmm. You know what I am doing is simultaneously, you know, posting things, asking for people to come to the house, check out to live. Then they are also casting the film like that, you know, right. is it kind of instantaneous, simultaneous, spontaneous, you know, organic thing where people come to the house and they are, they are being filmed and they are mm. part of the film and they are cast. And, you know, some are actors, some mm. are not, you know, mm-hmm. it is a different sort of, a collage of people coming to the house. Right. And, and as we're recording this, Craigslist, uh, this is true. Craigslist has just shut down its uh, personal section. Um, so this is, this is before that. And, and again, because this film seems to be um, nothing more than a vehicle by which you can find a uh, girlfriend and or wife. Um, did these women that became airsats actors know they were being filmed and did they understand that you wanted to marry them at the end of this production the people that responded to the ad to answer your question you know no they did not know what they were what kind of thing they were getting into and that was what they wanted to capture okay so they they they, they didn't truly know um and that's probably 
I also imagine why you threw the script out so that, that um, they wouldn't read a script and, and, and know what was happening. Um, I think this would be a good place to stop for a second and um, listen to um, a snippet of the film just so, so viewers and uh, listeners can, can know what the film is about. So let's just um, let's listen to it right now. One second here. And this is the pantry where I keep all of the different stocks of different spider jars and all of the things. Oh, do they? Are they alive? Yep. All of them. Most of them. Some of them feast on each other's bodies, and they keep each other keep each other full that way. Oh, I didn't know there would be spiders in as part of this. Well. This is what it is. We are going to have a good time, I think. Yeah, so so that gives you a, a small taste of, of of the film itself. And, and I just want to say, sure. you know, I'm sorry about how I was acting. You know, that was a character. You know, right, that right. was not me and right. not like that. Right, you were wearing a mask. I did have a mask No, yes, I did have a and, literal mask And literally, yes. Um, so uh, I guess my question would be, what was the, um, what was the experience like? I mean, I mean, what, what, what did you not expect? What, what did you, um, what were the roadblocks? What were the speed bumps, uh, along the way? I mean, and this is kind of part of the show where we, you know, dig a little deeper and get a little dirt on, on like the process of filmmaking. I'm curious if there were any moments like that for you in, in this film. Yes. I mean, you know, the moments are, very plentiful or constant, I would say, you know, there was something every five minutes, you know, mm. the harmonizer is running out of battery or, right. um, you know, this, this actor is not wanting to be on film anymore because, because he doesn't know he's being in a film. Yes. And, you know, these are roadblocks. I think every film, you know, goes through, you know, you have these actors who are not consenting to being films right. and, you know, and, so we would say, okay, well, you know, we need to put a new ad out. You know, obviously this mm. actor is not, you know, he's too prima donna to work with us, right. you know, expecting a bigger role or so, or more right. snacks or whatever, you know. Yeah. And now did that um, uh, difficulty kind of turn into inspiration? Because I thought what was so interesting was that how different actors played the same role across the film. And now I'm understanding that that was not, a, maybe not initially a creative choice. It was initially a logistical issue that uh, the people who didn't know they were filmed in this film left the project. and You had to find new ones. How did you turn that difficulty into an opportunity? Well, you say, okay, well, this is a, this is a new frontier in filmmaking. So what are we doing here? We are, we are sort of, the actors are interchangeable, mm. right? You know, it's mm. no longer this thing of, you know, when you go to an award ceremony and, you know, it says the award for best actor is, uh, well, it's a little bit more complicated mm. than that. You know, you <laughs> yes, can't yes. really just say one person. Mm. So I, it's a lot of sort of, hey, okay, well, this person looks vaguely similar, you know, has the same type of, you know. Or sometimes not at all. I mean, Well, uh, you know, it's, it's pretty... 
pretty up in the air in terms of you know i say i find commonalities in everyone where you know i find that you and i look exactly the same you know and almost no difference and i should say that that something else i read wikipedia is you have the uh condition of face blindness that brad pitt has where you can't uh make out distinct faces and people yeah so in, in that in that way me and brad pitt are you know probably the same looks wise and that's how it works i think and so you get this thing where, you know, I think it only happens with very good looking people. And mm. so that's one problem of the curse. I'm cursed, you know, this curse of rabies and coming through mm. my good looks is sort of like, well, you know, it's a blessing and a curse, you know. But, right. you know, yes, I didn't know who I was talking to most days. You know, I turn around and I say, oh, the harmonizer. And, you know, right. he's there, but, he, you know, he's has the voice of a woman and i mm. say well you sound very different today mm. you know what are you taking you know different you know vitamins or what i don't know right so yes confusing very troubling disturbing set at times you know mm. people screaming people you know um you know it was it, i found many ways to throw back you know to whisper kids at night because mm. you know many people have very bad dreams right people say, say inhabited by spirits and going through many troubles during the filming process and that you know if you ever see movie poltergeist mm. you find that that is what made the movie great was that there were literal ghosts on set at all times you know they were okay. supervising interesting uh okay um so yeah, I, I I don't think I would be doing my job if I didn't at least ask, um, you know, from what I've read online, it, multiple cast and crew uh, found themselves committed into, um, let's say, facilities uh, upon wrapping of this film. Um, do you have any comment about that? I mean, I understand filmmaking is a, is a journey and and it sometimes can be a war, but um, a lot of a lot of people. Um, did have to go through intensive psychoactive uh, therapies to uh, come out the other side. And I'm curious if you have a perspective on that. Yeah, you know, I think it is uh, sort of when you are, you know, working with a psychiatric facility as I was, you know, you have money in this facility, you want to see as much business come to it as possible. And so it is sort of like, well, you kill two birds with one stone. You you take your actors to a place in which they cannot go back, and then, well, where do they go? Oh, to the place in which you have your own money invested. It's kind of obvious, I think, you know, where where else would they go? And see, that's the... I mean, that kind of um, outside-the-box thinking is what makes you one of the best because most filmmakers would just say, I'm going to treat my actors with respect. I'm going to pay them the money they deserve. I'm going to make it a good film and then let them let them go on their way. And they only have one revenue stream, the money they make from the film. But for you, you say, I'm going to verbally and mentally and sometimes physically um, tear down and manipulate these actors so that not only do I get a film that is uh, quite honestly the most disturbing film I've ever seen in my entire life. Uh, but also you get a second revenue stream from the ward that you in fact own that these actors are now part of. Yes. And if I can, you know, I don't know how you work with plugs here. If you save them till the end, Well, but sure, but please, but yes, you know, you know, this, this facility that I want to call is the whisper kids at night facility. Wow. You know, we have their, you know, 
membership is, you know, very exclusive, but also open and completely, um, you know, willing to take on anyone at any moment. You know, once you go in, it is sort of like a sh Shutter Island type situation Got where, it, where you, you know, don't know whether you're sane or insane. You may have come there under the auspices of being an investigator, but, you know, you realize partway through that you might just be investigating your own insanity. And mm. so, you know, in ways, you know, I think a lot of what, uh, you know, that movie was influenced by me and sort of my own ideas. Interesting. You know. I don't know how they got that. I don't know where, you know, if they were in inside the facility taking notes, you know, I would have to ask my employees, you know, right. but we'll figure it out and wow. we'll sue them in wow. appropriately. Wow. Um, re re really inspiring stuff. So um, let, let, let's move towards uh, post-production. Um, again, ever the... Um, individualist uh, editing this film was also uh, an interesting journey from what I understand. Um, obviously you did not hire an editor per se, but um, the, the, the seagull on the barge of the, sh uh, uh, that, that you took to go from Europe to America um, you, you kept in touch with and, and, if I'm if I'm correct, the seagull itself uh, edited this film. Is that correct? Well, now Ethan, you know you're poking fun, I think. But you know, maybe I need to take you to the facility if hey, you think if you think that is really what is the case. Well, you please. Know? You may have misheard the stories that yes, there was the seagull present in the editing room, but he did not make the final calls. He made. So he just did the first cut. And then you stepped in afterwards to recut it. Yes, he was not qualified to make what you know what they call final cut. Got it. So yes, you know he made most of the key decisions along the way. You know I find that he started to learn the keyboard pretty well and started to sort of figure out his own shortcuts, from teaching me things about how to actually quicken my pace on the editing. On the cutting room floor, as they say, but ultimately, yes, he did have to die, and that was not my fault. I decided he needed to die, and that's sort of the thing mm. that happens. Mm. Most editors know, you know, the first editor dies. That's kind of the thing, right? Yep. Um, so the the seagull does the first cut. You uh, in cold blood murder it, and then take over as the editor uh, and and do the the final cut. Um. And then you are uh, going out into the festival circuit. You're screening this um, wherever you can. I'm, I'm curious, did, did your initial um, avenue of getting people to see your film vis-a-vis uh, -vis Bricks Through Windows, uh, did that serve you now for your first feature or had you learned lessons and had you approached that differently? Well, you know, it's uh, sort of... Um kind of a little bit of everything on this one you know i started with the bricks and sort of found that you know times had sort of shifted mm. you know the, the public wasn't as responsive to mm. such things you know this is a post 9-11 world in which mm. you know people are taking less kindly to breaks in the windows you know it's mm -hmm. not so charming anymore mm -hmm. and so i said okay well we need to reformulate and we need to go come at this at a different angle and so 
Mm. It then became, you know, you slip a, you know, what is, you freeze, you freeze your own urine and you slip it under the crack of a door. Interesting. And then that way, you know, by the time the person comes there, the urine has has melted melted and then they say whoa is this um a riddle of some kind how did this get here they start to ask these questions and then i said knock on the door and i say well i can answer you this question but you need to come see the film got it that is the trade-off interesting um wow wild that, that i mean that those are the kind of things that uh the average filmmaker I think would just be like, oh, well, I'm going to uh, email my friends or put a post on Facebook. Uh, I would never think to uh, freeze my own urine in some sort of paper-shaped uh, block and slide it under doors. Or if they do, then they don't follow up. Right, right. Which is the key part. Absolutely. Um, wow. So uh, you're in these festivals. You're winning Slam Dance. You're winning Sundance. You're winning uh, Hollywood uh, Film Festival. Um at what point were you ready to make the leap to, you know, distribution and, and, and how did that come about? Well, it's, you know, after, after Hollywood film festival and I look to Mark and my, my harmonizer and I say, I think we're ready dude. Mm. you know, I think we're here, you know, we've just won this festival, mm. you know, we're on a, we're on a mad tear. We are going crazy. The, the social media sphere is going crazy. No one can figure out the true meaning of these ICRN discs and what they're doing here. And, I, you know, I have to admit, most times I did not follow up and it became more ah. of like a hobby, just kind of like terrorizing. Los yeah, Angeles you know, with your urine. I got carried away. What can I say? I'm, I get you it. Know, it is a lot of the rabies still coming, mm. coming through, but. We said, okay, well, we need to find a distributor for this. Mm -hmm. You know, we need to find someone who cares about this project. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's that's when we met your friend. You know, that's right. That is that is the real connection. Right. So so I should say that I, I do have a friend in the marketing department of the Samsung smart um, home division and and Janice had a wild idea that she wanted to start putting uh, films on smart fridges. And so uh, I connected you guys and then Janice was like, hello, wait a second. We can put the heart doesn't know what it wants to want on every smart fridge in America. And every morning when you're getting your milk, you're going to be start watching this film. Yeah. You know, it's a no brainer. You know, you say, okay, well, I'm coming to the fridge. What do I need right now? Well, I'll probably need to be disturbed in some way. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like by a, by a, a four hour, uh, unstoppable, unskippable, uh, film that shakes you to your very core. Yeah. It's common sense. That's, what you, that's what you want in the morning before your breakfast. That's what I, you know, saw as a kind of like, whoa, I is not, no one thought of this before. You know, not only is this, sort of a novel concept to have a film playing on a fridge. But most times, you know, you get up in the morning, you're like, oh, I'm tired and mm -hmm. I want some cereal. I need and my coffee. <laughs> don't want anything disturbing to happen to me right. in the next five minutes. Right. But right. once it happens, you realize, oh, my goodness, well, need to rethink some things. Mm. And as we know, I mean, there are millions of smart refrigerators across the nation. And um, the fact that the that this film is, is unskippable 
uh, unstoppable. Uh, I, I mean, the numbers, the, 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 the amount of people who have seen your film is, is, is staggering. Yeah. And I would say most people, you know, who finish the film, mm-hmm. which is actually a very tough process, <laughs> very minuscule amount of people have finished the film. Right. I have not even finished it yet. Oh, wow. uh, you know, I'm getting there, but mm-hmm. you know, it's tough. Yeah. Those people are, they are your viral audience who are mm. there to then spread the word mm-hmm. and then tell, go out and buy a fridge. You need to see this film. Right. Because it, it, it physically is not available in any other form. It is only available on the fridge. Right. Only, can only be watched start to finish in one sitting. Right. During this process, lots of ice comes out. Most of it urine, but some of it regular. You have to sift through. You make sure you know which one's which. I don't think I need to tell you how you distinguish between normal and urine ice. One is clear, one is yellow. Um, So, uh, yeah, uh, uh, unbelievable. And and, and again, congratulations. But um, I I guess we we, we usually end this portion of the show just by kind of asking, you know, uh, Splend, if you could go back to talk to your younger self, Maybe uh, he's, you know, on the bar. He's coming to America. What would you tell him about the process of filmmaking? What would you tell him about if he wanted to make his first feature film? What advice would you give him? You know, I would say, hey, Splend, you know, it's fine. You're doing great. You're hearing this garbage. This is you. You cannot get out of this person. You know what I'm saying? Most times people want to get out of the person that they Mm. are in. Mm. Don't get out of you. Mm. You are inside of yourself. So maybe like be yourself, uh, be, stay true to yourself. No, I would say do not get outside of yourself. Oh, you're saying literally don't try don't. to jump out of your own skin because no. you'll die? Because no, well, you would go into someone else's or something else and you don't know what that thing is, you know? Interesting. And so I want to briefly go back to a moment on set, you know, okay. this is, sort of what I call the seminal moment of the film Mm. is when we, I, you know, don't want to give anything away about what happens, but, you know, there is a moment where it seems like love is just around Mm -hmm. the corner and I'm standing there and I'm saying to myself, Splend, what are you doing? thinking right now and i'm saying this on film and i'm talking out loud to myself and then you hear this this disembodied voice and you hear it coming from upstairs and it says i am the raccoon from Mm. paris you do not deserve love Mm. unless it is with me wow and it you know i said whoa okay like we are seriously conjuring up some deep, dark spirits. We must be on to something mm-hmm. good. And mm-hmm. so it was like, don't go outside of your body. But if you do, you know, be sure to give a good message in a film so that people know what to take away from it. Got it. Wise words. Um, well said. Well, uh, Splen, thank you so much for that. And um this is this is the fun part now. We're 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 gonna do the speed round where I just ask you some quick questions and you uh, answer them as quickly as you can without thinking. I uh, just kind of go from your gut. So uh, my first question is, what's your favorite movie quote? Splend, it is me, 
the raccoon from Paris. Mm. You don't deserve love mm-hmm. unless it is with me. Got it. So from your own film. Great. Good marketing. Um, what's your desert island movie? You get one to watch for the rest of your life. You know, I would say it's crazy, but 10 things I hate about you. Mm, that's a good one. Yes. One of the best. And, you know, I'm not quite ready to let it go yet in terms yeah. of what I would need to watch. It needs yeah. to happen every night. Yeah. Heath Ledger gone too soon. Um, which director would you body swap with and inherit his or her filmography? You know, like I said before, it's important not to leave your body. Oh, interesting. But I will make an exception for this movie. Uh, one of my favorites is called Trappings of a Dollhouse. Hmm. And the director, you know him. Of course. Right? Should we say the director's let's, name at the same let's time? say them together. Okay, here we go. John Cal. John Cal. Unbelievable director. Uh, amazing movie. Um, so you would you would take John Cal's uh, filmography and go forward here from here? I would say in an instant, mm. drop my whole philosophy on leaving bodies and go into and go into John's. Do you have any pre-shoot rituals? I mean, the way you make movies is so unique. I'm curious. Like anything the night before that you do to prepare yourself? Yes, I take a step into the bedroom look at my surroundings mm. fall face first on the ground mm. lie there for probably 12 to 13 hours wow. unconscious wow wake up bowl of coffee bowl of coffee yep and um you know and then, start shooting and then you know uh come back to my senses actually it takes probably four or five you know months after that then that's when i can actually start wow so so before you you film you started the film four months and 12 hours earlier you began the process of staring straight and being unconscious and then drinking a bowl of coffee yes wow pretty common i think wow uh what's your favorite film uh item at craft service haha <laughs> yes well you know you'd have to uh you know, talk to everyone on set saying, you know, Splend, you know, you need to calm down because you're always asking about, you know what it is, right? Is you frosted mini jacks, you know. Frosty mini jacks. So Okay, so cereal is your kind of thing. What is this? Sure. Uh, dream actor to work with. You get to, you know, who, who would you love to work with on your next film? Oh, man, these are the tough questions, hey. you know. This is James Lipton of some kind. Oh, uh, man, that's so nice of you to say. Have you ever heard of this? He's a very well-known actor. He's been in many films over the years. Frank. Yes. Sinatra? No, oh, come sorry. on. Hey, hey. Caliendo. Yes. Got it. Yes. The obviously. man of a thousand voices. Yes. One of my favorites. Mm-hmm. And always been. Gosh, I would love to see you direct Frank Caliendo. Uh, he would probably be directing me more so. You That's know. probably true. What's your favorite impression he does? Well, you know, he does the John Madden. Mm-hmm. Could I, could I, could, could I hear a little bit of that? Like to turn the tables on Frank, like what's your impression of Frank doing John Madden? If I could. Wow. Ask? Well, you know, you're asking a lot. It's like, Balls of turn man pass and go around on the bottom of the field. 
Wow. Something like that. So I don't know. <laughs> Did John Madden just walk in this room? That was, hey, that was John, eerie. what are you doing wow. here? Get Unbelievable. out, man. Unbelievable. Uh, and finally, what's an underrated film everyone should check out? Something that you think that maybe flew under the radar. Yeah, well, it just came in right under the radar this year and no one saw it coming. Mm. Is this film called Black Panther. Never mm. heard anyone talk about it, but it is about this... Uh, it is about a man who becomes a Black Panther mm-hmm. and he lives on the streets of New York and mm. he spends a lot of time, you know, eating garbage and getting rabies wow. and sort of... So you really resonated with you. It uh, felt like it was my story, mm. yes. Wow. Well, Splin, that is it. Thank you. I mean, you've made it to the end. Congratulations. Ethan, I just want to say what a what a grand, large pleasure it was. I do want to send a few plugs. Of course. Out, you know, we got the Whisper Kids facility, Whisper Kids at Night. That's right. And we are in process of renovating, lots of new improvements coming. Less, to the ward. Less, you know, less sharp edges, more sort of smoothed out places for things to happen you know you can explore you don't have to worry about all the diseases you will catch them but they will be less prevalent at times more prevalent at other times great and if people want to see the heart can't find what it wants to want um they can see it on samsung smart refrigerators uh, nationwide yes you know we are going through a difficult process with samsung they're citing laws saying that you know we have done this without their cooperation that we have hacked into their fridges mm. you know that what is happening is some of the most you know rivaling you know ha- the rushing hacking scandal. yeah I, I should say that when i broached this to janice my friend at the samsung marketing corporation she did in fact say no to you right and uh, that is what inspired us to kind of go as you say gorilla outside the lines yeah interesting yes. and so we are working that out with, with them they are definitely coming around they're starting to get some real positive attitudes saying, when's your next film? We need to get this on a toaster. Right. Yeah. I, I, I also should say I was deposed for that lawsuit, so I can't talk much more about it. Yes. Thank you for, we'll I'm sure, happens. sticking up for me. Well, I can tell you have, by the look on your face, something went really yeah. good. Though. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. Um, well, great. And then um, where can people find you online? Should they wish to find you? Well, you know that my site, Super 8 Animals, mm-hmm. All of my vintage films are there. I am there giving live broadcasts every five minutes on the minute. We are talking about new forms of filmmaking. Come to me if you want to strive to make a new type of film. We are throwing metaphorical bricks through the windows of Hollywood. We are trying to get a new film made. Tell me what your idea is. I will help you make it. Mm, amazing. Uh Really, really great. Well, and I, I am at Ethan Cushing uh, on Twitter. The podcast is at First Feature Pod on Twitter. If you want to get in touch, email us at myfirstfeaturepodcast at gmail.com. Splend, thank you so much, and we will see you guys next time. Thank you. Thank you, Ethan. <laughs>